You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. We are currently in a series called Covered in Dust, a journey through the book of Matthew, looking at the life, ministry, and relationship that Jesus had with his disciples that would later bring the kingdom of heaven through normal, everyday people. Thanks for joining us. If I don't know you, my name is Oliver. I am the pastor here, and I have four children ranging from middle school to two. And as I look out into uh, the seats here, I don't see my sweet wife, Kyra, so I'm just going to be lifting up a prayer for her as she is somewhere. Oh, she made it! She's right here. There, everybody say hey to the little Wong family there. We've got two there, and there's two somewhere else. But man, Kyra is a trooper. Um, she made it, and I, and I saw on Instagram, the reason why I say all that is because I saw on Instagram, and it was so true. It wasn't biblical, but it was true. They said uh, it's Valentine's Day month, and love's in the air, but so are germs, so wash your hands. So if you don't hear anything from my sermon, that's a good word. Amen, brother, preach on. Wash your hands. It's crazy. It's crazy out there. You never know. Um, as the video suggested, we are in a series right now all the way from January into June into the summer months. And it's kind of hard to imagine how hot it is in Greenville when it's cold like this. But it really does get hot. It gets crazy in here, doesn't it? And so from now until June, we're going to be looking at a thematic walkthrough of the book of Matthew, which is one of my favorite books of the entire Bible, specifically focusing on Jesus as king and Jesus in his kingdom. And because it's so long, there's five different segments that we've been looking at. And the very first segment we completed last week was called following Jesus from the inside out. Everybody say inside out. And uh, we are moving along in this discourse as we talk about what it would look like to follow Jesus in the big moments and the small moments and the, and the exciting ones and the boring ones, the dull ones and the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays and everything in between. What it would it look like to make Jesus our rabbi, to be covered in his dust, to follow his path so closely, would be covered in everything that he would do, spoken, unspoken, verbal, nonverbal, uh, heart, hands, mind, just be covered in everything that Jesus is. And so we're transitioning now into Matthew chapter 8 through 10. Matthew chapter 8 through 10. And the theme is actually going to shift from following Jesus from the inside out to following Jesus, get this, from the outside in. What? Everybody say outside in. Sounds kind of uh, like an oxymoron. Sounds kind of like a paradox. Uh, bear with me while I explain. Um, Jesus came to bring an invisible kingdom, uh, a kingdom that couldn't be seen with human eyes. And so many times at a loss in terms of communication, Jesus was needing to use the seen things of this life to explain things that we couldn't see. And so uh, through Matthew 8 through 10, there's actually uh, three consecutive sets of three miracles. So uh, Andre that was up here as a math teacher, three times three would be nine actual miracles that are all demonstrating on the outside in the seen realm what's going on on the inside in the unseen realm. And so while Jesus works from the inside out, he does his ministry oftentimes from the outside in. And it's a double entendre because not only is he, is he, is he working towards and healing and putting his hands on the, the outside body, healing in the body of the people that he comes in contact with, but he's also speaking to outsiders because many times insiders wouldn't receive his message. And so this is the way that I kind of formulated the sense that Jesus' healings demonstrate in people's bodies what his work is doing in their soul. Jesus knew that we were finite. We had the impossibility, the inability to see and comprehend what was unseen in the spiritual. And so without spiritual eyes to see the unseen, he would show us what the unseen looked like inside of the scene, inside of leprosy, inside of blindness, inside of crippledness, inside of poverty, Jesus would say, the thing that I'm trying to teach you, it's, it's like this or it's like that. It's like the things that you have seen, I'm trying to teach you about the unseen. And so all throughout Matthew 8 through 10 in the next five weeks, as we look at this, 
we want to ask ourselves this question. I put up a Matthew 8 through 10 journal. Y'all moleskin people with me already? You can use it on your iPhone too, but maybe take a snapshot and, and focus on this. How is Jesus sending me? Okay, I, I, everything that Jesus did, the way that he called Peter out on the water to walk on water, he didn't just do to be a show. He, he came to lead so that we would follow him. And so we're not just fans, we're followers of Jesus. And so the question would be, how is Jesus, as he goes to heal and save and deliver three people, three sets of three people, nine in total, to heal from the outside in, how is he leading me to go to the outsider to offer healing from the outside in? And sometimes we're ready to preach, we're ready to teach, we're ready to convince, we're ready to argue. And potentially Jesus is showing us, not just telling us, that the best thing to do is to minister to the outside, to the needs, to the cup of cold water, to the kindness to the financial needs, to the prayer needs, to the, to the ways of just meeting people where they're at without having to preach to people. Jesus showed us the model of ministry by preaching and working and ministering from the outside in. Everybody say outside in. Outside in. The next five weeks are about outside in. So let me read the passage and I'll pray for us as we dive in. When Jesus came down, this is Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4, from the mountainside, come down from the, the sermon that we just looked at, large crowds would follow him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched that man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed from leprosy. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And Father, I pray um, that as we open up your scripture and let your Holy Spirit speak to us this morning, uh, even if we, if we don't have the words or don't have the concepts, you're going to speak in the way that we can understand. Each of us, I know you're speaking to us in the way that we can understand. And I ask that as we continue to follow you and follow your Holy Spirit, as we, guide, we are guided by the scriptures this morning, that you are going to call us in any place in us that's backwards to you, any place in us that is inside out, any place that's upside down, that you would, you would rearrange the furniture in our heart that would be changed. Um, and so that we would see not only our, our hearts changed, but our minds changed, our, our minds changed into our actions into our hands, into our feet, and God, that we would not leave uh, your presence unchanged. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. So my dad, um, he, he is like, his parents were a depression family, you know, like they lived through the Great Depression, so he's like tough as nails, tough guy, alpha macho guy, mind over matter guy, feelings, you know, feelings are for, for the birds guy, he's a mind over matter guy, and he always taught me that, uh, that health is just about mind over matter. Health is just about mind over matter. If you've got something wrong with you, you just rub some dirt in it and you'll be okay. You just kind of, you know, pat, patted you on the back. He'd say, he'd be like, Dad, I'm, I, think, I think I've got a flu or a fever. Do you think I should take some medicine? He'd be like, no, go and run. You'll be better when you get done, when you get back. Just kind of a tough guy. And, and he, he had this philosophy. He walked it and he talked it, as the song says, uh, where he, he wouldn't go to the doctor because... If you went to the doctor that was like talking about it and then and then you would actually like give kind of credence to this whole philosophy that like sickness has to do with germs and stuff and it wasn't mind over matter. So dad would just skip all that step. And if you're not talking about it, it's not really happening. He just skipped the doctor altogether. He would skip the dentist altogether. And he would just imagine that if you're not talking about it and if it doesn't exist in your mind, that it doesn't exist in real life. Anybody have any dads like this or, or parents like this? Maybe I'm on my own, but just that tough John Wayne dad with the Asian version of that. Just picture that. And so I, I met this sweet gal, Kyra, that I introduced to you a moment ago. She's sitting over here. And Kyra is, 
is a nurse and really smart. And she starts to teach me as I get older and wiser, hopefully in 13 years I am older and wiser, and hopefully better looking, as she says, uh, as time goes on. Uh, she tells me um, the reason why we're sick is not because we're weak or something, you know, like mental. The reason why we're sick is because there's these things called germs, okay? And that even though we can't see them, they exist. And they actually get you sick. And so the thing is, is that if you take medicine for the germs, things get better. And so this is what I've learned in 13 years. I haven't learned a lot, but I have learned that with Kyra, and she's helped me to understand it. So you'd be so proud of me. All my kids, I don't know if anybody here has kids that got sick. All my kids hit 103 this, this, this week. It was like a, a record. I was like, dang, 103, just one at a time. Boop, 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 boom. So that was really awesome. Um, and, and, and so I, and, and I'm better now. I, don't, I, I understand there's, like, there's germs. And so I'll be like, kids, you need to wash your hands because if you don't wash your hands, there's, there, remember what mommy says, there's germs on your hands, and if you get germs in your body, then you'll get sick. I'm totally, I'm totally converted. I'm not a mind over matter guy. I'm a germs guy now, which is kind of sad because I'm always like watching out where germs are, and like the baby's like, I'm sick, and like I want to like cuddle them, but I was like, you just, you just stay right over there. I just kind of like put the blanket right over there because I, I can't go down that road. I spent $18 at CVS the other day just to make sure that I didn't get sick. I'm like, no, I can't do it. When you're in sixth grade, you get a snow day, or you, sorry, you get to stay home sick like Ferris Bueller. But when you're 35, you just have to keep working even though you're sick, and it's awful. It's just awful. So let's just not get sick. Amen. You all can go home. So, so God is loving. And in Leviticus, uh, this book that's uh, you're all, all your favorite book in the Bible, if you've ever read it before. It's actually my first sermon I preached on Leviticus. It's this long list of things that Jesus prescribes his people to do and not do. More than just the Ten Commandments, there's 613 commands in the book of Leviticus of things to do that range for everything from sin and moral things, but also hygienic things like washing your hands. And there's this passage that I'll, that I'll read to you that kind of summarizes, I think, the essence of um, uh, a loving God teaching uh, his, his pre-scientific people to understand about health and germs and all the things that Kyra teaches me every day. And so this is what uh, Leviticus reads. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has a defiling skin disease or a discharge of any kind who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead Body. So there's this, um, this whole entire section ahead of that that talks all about how you should treat animals that are dead and how you shouldn't touch them and how you should be preparing them and cooking them and all these sorts of things. Uh, people don't understand about diseases. They don't have microscopes in this time. And so a loving father and a loving God actually predated their wisdom and revelation and understanding by just giving them uh, the, the, the Levitical code to not touch dead bodies. And, and it's good logic. It's good medical sound reasoning here is that when something is uh, oozing or something is infected or something smells weird or something smells rotten, that's our nose and the law of God teaching us not to touch, not to eat, to stay away from, to stay clear of because it's unclean. And so a loving God speaks to his people without microscopes and says, don't touch these things because they actually are a part of death. They, they represent the death that is taking on this world. And so he says, send away male and female alike if they have this kind of infection, if they have this disease, if they have something that is in their body that represents death while they're still alive, send them away, male and female alike, outside the camp so they won't defile the camp where I dwell among them. And the Israelites did so, and they sent the people that were infected, and catch this in verse 3. Did you see the word there? Send the people that are defiled outside of the camp. They did just as the Lord had instructed Moses to do. 
It's interesting because in our terminology, even as I talked about you know, medicine and my vague, probably inaccurate uh, understanding of it uh, today in 2019, is, is that mind is separate from, from body, you know, and body is separate from spirit and soul. That There's this physical world that we live in that has to do with our anatomy, and then there's this spiritual world that we have uh, in the unseen realm, as I was speaking earlier in the series introduction. And what, what Moses is talking about here in this law is that actually for them, it was, complete, it was not separate, but it was actually highly integrated and connected. That the person that was sick was not only medically sick, but they were spiritually defiled. There was a connection between, between sickness and death. Physical sickness came from this kind of uh, d- death within the body, this kind of um, body decay and breakdown and the body not functioning as it is. And it represented kind of the, the previews, the beginnings of death within the body. And those people were supposed to be sent away, but not only because they were physically sick, but as the scripture says in verse 3 in Leviticus, because they were spiritually defiled, that sickness was connected to sin and sin for the Israelites was always connected to sickness. That sickness came from sin because sin has to do with death. Sin meaning missing the mark with God, not morally living, upstanding life. That sin is connected to sickness and sickness is inseparable from sin. And so the, the, the disease that Jesus comes off the mountain towards, the disease that the man approaches him in Matthew 8 that we read earlier, comes towards him, is in his body carrying the greatest degree of, of, of sickness and defilement that this passage in Leviticus is talking about, the guy that's coming towards him is infected with leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease that was deadly contagious. And the scriptures, as we'll read in a moment through the book of Leviticus uh, 13, um, the, the book of Leviticus teaches that, that the skin disease of leprosy is beneath the skin. It comes from, not just from, the, from, a, from a blemish, like a, like a zit or a pimple or, or a sore or a cut. It comes from, the, from underneath the skin is this death and decay that's represented in leprosy. And it represented not only deep decay of the physical body, but deep decay of the spiritual body. Because sickness is always connected to sin, and sin is always connected to sickness. So this is the way that Leviticus uh, teaches us um, in, verse, in chapter 13. And I'll just read through this. I'll try to be quick because it's a lot of passages, but bear with me. So this is what happens in the Old Testament if you have, um, if you have leprosy. Uh, I'll show you some pictures in a moment of what this looks like, but we've heard of this before if you've been in, the, in Bible teaching before or Sunday school before. But, but this is what leprosy meant for a person, right? So this is the process. It says, if anyone has this swelling or rash or shiny spot on their skin, you know, you're bathing and you see something that's irregular, irregular um, it may be a defiling deceit, disease. So, so th- there's diseases uh, that, that go deeper than the skin, that go into the spiritual. And the thing that you have, it might be speaking more than your anatomy. It might be speaking about your spirituality. And he's saying it may be a, def- a defiling disease, and so you must be brought before the priest, before Aaron and his sons, because there's, there's a spiritual. So he's not going to the doctor, he's going to the priest, because the Israelites believed that the root of it wasn't skin, the root of it was spirit, and there was a spiritual problem, so you wouldn't go to a physical practitioner to handle a spiritual issue, so, so they're sending them to the priest instead of to the doctor. 
So the priest is to examine. So the priest would, would examine the sore on the skin. And if the hair on the skin uh, was white, the sore appeared more than skin deep, it was a skin-defiling disease. Okay? It was a skin-defiling disease. So the, so the priest would declare it's a skin-defiling disease. And, and they would go through this process of several times to make sure. So bear with me here as we go into verse, uh, I guess it's 4. So when the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. So you see, it's not just physical, it's spiritual. Ceremonially means religious. Unclean. And if the shiny spot on the skin is whiter than the last time that they came to visit and does not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair is not turned white, then the priest um, is to isolate the affected person for seven days. So it seems like the sore would be getting better. We're going to isolate them for seven days. They can return to come and check if it's going to be... Um, uh, uh, bigger and, and uh, take on more of the body or if it's going to recede. Verse 5, on the seventh day, the priest uh, would examine them and he sees that the source is unchanged and has not spread in the skin. He is to isolate them for another seven days. So there's 21 days altogether. There's this examination from the priest to make sure, we want to make extra special sure that, that, that this is not a defiling disease as time goes on. But then it says this, on the seventh day, when they return for the final time, if the priest examines them again and the sore has faded and not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It's only a rash, but they must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the rash does spread, if the rash does spread in their skin after they have shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest has examined that person. If the rash has spread the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean and it is defiling skin disease. And then it says in verse 45, all the way down as they talk about different types of diseases, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out for the rest of their days in public areas, unclean, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Sickness is spiritual. Sickness is sinful. In the Levitical code, sickness wasn't just skin deep. Sickness wasn't just talking about your skin. It was talking about your spirituality. And something deep inside of you, when you were pronounced unclean, declared that you were unlovable and untouchable and unworthy of love and acceptance. Something about that priest's diagnosis of you was not just that you were a good guy with a bad circumstance. Something that that priest said spiritually sentenced you for the rest of your life to live as someone unlovable, unsightly, unworthy, and untouchable. And you were part of the leprosy camp for the rest of your days. This was what it meant to be declared unclean by the priest. And so this is the picture of um, some modern day leprosy, which is 95% um, curable. And uh, over time, uh, the leprosy is by and large fairly outdated, in, in, in which case most people are actually naturally immune. Um, but uh, I just have a few photos, and as I share some of these photos, I'll let you know that I actually like picked like the PG version of these photos, and and so, you know, bear with me if you have kind of like a, 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 a you know a, a sick stomach or a softer you know um, tolerance for this sort of thing, you might kind of avert your eyes for for a little bit here. But I just want to show you what some of these pictures would look like. These are kind of like the 
the PG versions, like the 2 out of 10, like it gets worse and worse and worse as, this, as the skin disease would take on. But in some of the poorer countries in the world today, leprosy is still running rampant and highly um, contagious. And so uh, this is the first picture that I found. Let's go to the next picture here. Uh, they're a little bit out of order because we struggled with uh, some of the technology. But this is actually the bacteria that goes into the skin and begins to eat away and defile the physical skin. This is the leprosy strand. It is a bacteria. Let's go to the next slide. And so these are some, some legs that are affected. And again, I said this is 2 out of 10. Um, some of the pictures, if you look online, are 10 out of 10. Uh, leprosy affects a lot of the major openings, crevices, ears, eyes, mouth. Many of the pictures that you would see on Google are missing eyes. The ears are covered over. It would, uh, it would sort of sever the nerve endings, and a lot of the feet and extremities, extremities would kind of get curled up and pulled in. And you can see how, I mean, this is a beautiful photo. I mean, this is somebody really trying to capture the beauty of somebody in humanity beyond their disease. But you can see how, especially in a pre-medical age, and even now, as we are taught continually to, to have compassion and worth for people, living in a time like that, especially under Levitical code like this, to look at a picture like that, it would be hard to remember their humanity. It would be hard to remember your compassion. It would be hard to hire this person. It would be hard to recommend this person to date your daughter. It'd be hard to be friends with this person. It'd be hard to go out in public and not feel ashamed with this person. Leprosy was more than skin deep. It was spiritually deep. It went down to the soul that something was unlovely, something was untouchable, something was unworthy of love and acceptance for the people that would catch this disease. And so, and so this is, this is the, the thing that strikes me, I think, about the pictures as I look at these things is it's a feeling of, of powerlessness. It's, it's the feeling that in those eyes of the children that you can look at in Google and the pictures that we saw just now on, on the screen, this humanity that that is deeply crushed and deeply hurt and deeply burdened and, and this desire even for healing for that person. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, a Christian or non-Christian or what you think about the Bible or healing or anything else. I think it's human to want healing for that person. I think it's human to want to, to touch that person. I think it's human to wish that person wasn't under that defilement, under that sickness. And the fear... And, and the hurt, really, is that as you look at it, is that love feels so impotent and powerless to do anything about it. And as much as you would long for that child, you know, or long for that widow, or long for that man to find their healing, there's a sense of futileness and powerlessness that love has met its limit with a sickness like that. It's met its match. And the best thing that a leper could do is stay away. The best thing that love could do is stay away. The best thing that, that, that wisdom... And, and even grace could do is, is, is to not let that disease spread. And so, and so instead of love overcoming sickness, it feels that sickness has overcome love and compassion and humanity. And so this is, the, this is the disease that the man comes towards Jesus with. It says, the man, the man with that, the man with leprosy, the man that was defiled, the man that was declared by his society and by his priests unclean, unworthy, physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially, excommunicated from society, this man comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And in his question, we see, I think, what we often ask of the Lord is, we trust his character, we know that he's good, and we know that we, we can, he can make us clean. We know that he can work, and he, he, he has worked. We know people that he has worked in their life 
in miraculous ways. But when, when you have a child with a life-threatening disease, with, with a cancer, when you have a, a spouse that has been diagnosed, when you have someone on a mission trip that you would meet with a disease that doesn't exist or isn't prevalent in America today, it's not can you heal them. The question is, the question is will you heal them, Jesus? Will you heal me? is what the man asked. Not can you, but will you heal me? And he says, if you can, or if, if you are willing, if you are willing, you'll make me clean. And he says, I'm willing, be clean. And so we see a dramatic shift here in, in all the ways that we're impotent, in all the ways that our love can't reach and connect and, 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 and pass and push through the barriers of sickness and defilement. Jesus' love can, and in a moment, he is clean. Instead of sickness overcoming love, love in that moment looked like power and power overcame sickness in this man's body. Immediately, the, uh, the leper was cleansed, it says in verse 3. And Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest. This is important. And offer the gift of Moses. Offer the gift of Moses that was commanded in Leviticus, the one that said to go and talk to the priest. Go and show the priest what happened to your body. You go back to that book. You don't just even tell your neighbors or even come back to me, but I want you to go back to the book. I want you to go back to that priest, and I want you to show your testimony that something has changed because I'm here. That the kingdom of heaven has come, and something has changed about metaphysical reality. Something has changed about health. Something has changed about the way that we do church and spirituality. Something is different about the way that we do love. Something is different about the way that we do relationship because in a world before me, unclean, touching clean, always left both parties unclean. And the best thing that love could do was to separate unclean from clean because unclean always made clean unclean. But he said, in my hand and in my touch, I'm changing the Levitical law. The law was lacking because it was lacking me. And now, Unclean doesn't touch clean to make it unclean. Clean touches unclean and finds it clean once more. Jesus is the light that enters into the darkness, John says, and the darkness could not overcome it. It is, it is that the darkness has to be pushed back by the light and darkness has never had victory over the light. In fact, he's not just saying that this man has been made clean, but he's saying that all men past me will be made clean because of my power and because of my grace that uncleanliness will never overcome and have greater than victory than cleanliness. And sin will never have power over grace. And sickness will never have power over healing. And, and, and unforgiveness will never have power over the cross. You see, if I took a popsicle, a bright red popsicle, and put it on my sweet wife's Kyra's $2,000 pottery barn couch, you know, the popsicle would stain the couch. That's the way that the world works, is that stains cause stains. Unstains never unstain stains. That makes no sense. That's not the way that physics is set up. Is Jesus saying, I'm coming from a kingdom you don't understand. I'm coming from the place where the pottery barn makes the popsicle white. The popsicle doesn't stain the couch. The couch stains the popsicle. Do you understand that the clean things have come to make the unclean clean so they'll never be unclean again? So that spirit-filled high school student that goes into their high school that's full of darkness is not being made dark. Rather, they're making their high school light again. 
And a spirit-filled church is not huddled in the corner, afraid that culture is going to in, in, insinuate and move into the ranks of the, of the church. Rather, the church is going to engage and shift the culture, is what Jesus is saying. He's come to shift the culture of our marriages, he's saying. He's saying he's come to rearrange the past and give it a new future, is what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus is the name that's greater than any other name, undefeated and victorious in every right and every circumstance. So all of the passages that we'll read in chapters 8 through 10 all fit into one prophecy, which is Isaiah. And that is that Jesus has come not to leave the world alone, but to raise the dead and cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, and cast out demons of the afflicted because he was persecuted, he was broken, he was burdened, and he was pressed down and crushed so that we could be healed by his stripes. We are healed. Every miracle had a price and Jesus has already paid it. This is the way that I've surmised it. The touch of Jesus makes the unclean clean, but not just that. The touch of Jesus reaches deeper than the skin into the soul, into the spirit, and it makes unholy things holy. Outsiders become insiders because Jesus was pierced for transgressions, crushed for iniquities, punished for peace, and by his stripes we are healed today. That's my sermon in a sentence here. Under Moses, lepers were sent out because the unclean made the clean unclean. But under Jesus, lepers, lepers like, lepers like you and I, are brought near because clean makes the unclean clean. It's all interpretation, but potentially the reason why we have sicknesses like leprosy is to understand the unseen. That God is allowing and permitting and God is even causing for us to, to see in a world around us with our visual eyes what he wants to speak to us in our spiritual nature. And, and so that interpretation helps us understand something very important is that leper is not the minority. That leper is actually the majority. That leper and that disease exist to show on the outside what it is that we come to Jesus with on the inside. The pictures that you will find there are hollow eyes. You can see the humanity, but at the same time, you struggle with the darkness and almost demonic-looking nature of some of the physical depravity that some of these, these lepers suffer. And what Jesus is showing us, I believe, through good interpretation, is that those people are us. Those people are, are us that is that is that the condition of leprosy is skin deep. This man understood from his physical nature what his spiritual nature is, but what he's showing us is that not just lepers need to be cleaned, all people need to be cleaned. And that if we were able to see with unseen eyes, if we were to see a revelation of what we look like from birth, it's hard to see because we were born with certain privileges and we were born with, with, with certain... Um, Strengths, And we were born with certain parents that taught us certain ways and we look a certain way on the outside. But Jesus is showing us, I believe, that biblical leprosy is a physical symbol of man's condition at spiritual birth. We were born unclean, unsightly, and unlovely. This man is no different from us on the inside as we are. 
And so this is the picture, if we could get the picture of Jesus and the leper, this is not just a picture of Jesus and a leper, but this is a picture of us. That on the inside, uh, we don't have spots like the sores that are on the flesh that I showed you of some of the things earlier. We don't have crippled hands on the outside. Many of this in the room are, are, are strong and healthy and privileged in that way. But in the inside, Jesus' scripture is saying to us this morning that, that we have conditions like that on the inside. And we, we don't think about them a lot. We don't think about the guilt that we carry a lot. We don't think about the shame that we carry a lot. Oftentimes, it's, it's got to slow us down, like life has to slow down for us to recognize what's really going on inside. Sometimes it takes a big moment or a big fight or it takes a big stressful engagement for the cracks and the chasms of our heart to lay bare. But make no mistake about it, other than the touch of Jesus, all of us look like that man on the inside and all of us need to be touched like that man on the inside. And I remember teaching in the public school and you could, you could see kids without leprosy, with, with disheveled hair. And you would start to learn that the outside and the inside are not as separate as we like to think. And that shame and guilt can sometimes be harder to shed than things like leprosy. And kids would cut themselves. And kids would not be organized. And kids would treat themselves poorly. And kids would get into cyclical relationships of, of abuse and neglect. And kids would treat themselves poorly because although on the outside they didn't have leprosy, on the inside they were deeply struggling with spiritual leprosy. And so do we. On the inside, we deeply struggle with things like this that we don't know. And we're smarter and more sophisticated and we know how to put on the makeup the right way and we know how to put on the face. But, but guilt and shame without the touch of Jesus, it eats away at our soul more than leprosy can eat away at the skin. And affects every part of our life. And oftentimes it's people farther, far, farther from us that look at us. They can actually tell that outside we, we look clean and we have on deodorant hopefully most of the time. But in the inside our, our soul is screaming, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Stay away, don't touch me, I'm unclean. There's a fear of inadequacy, a fear of longing, of, of loneliness, a fear of, of intimacy. Even with our own spouse because on the outside we look clean. But on the inside we're saying, we're so unclean. I'm so unclean. I'm so unworthy. I'm so, I'm so untouchable. I'm so unsightly. I'm so ugly. And so, so I'm going to put on the smile so everybody stays away. On the outside, I look clean. But on the inside, I feel so unclean. And this is the word that Jesus is saying is that when Jesus touches you and when you bring your life to him laid bare, that the unclean doesn't make the clean unclean. Rather, his touch, the clean, makes the unclean clean again. And as long as we run as long as we run from the ministry of honesty, the ministry of confession, the ministry of our heart laid bare, as long as we live in the ministry of Moses and forget the ministry of Jesus, we will always assume that bringing my uncleanliness to the surface will defile the outside of my relationship. But Jesus is saying, actually, that's when the healing starts to take place. That when you bring your deepest, darkest 
place of uncleanliness into the light and share it with a brother or a sister that you trust, you think by the law of Moses that now that relationship is jarring in its trust and becoming unclean, even as the words come out of your mouth. But Jesus speaks a better word is that as things come out of your mouth, you're not becoming defiled. He's actually cleansing you as you confess. As you confess to yourself, as you, as you really accept and own that the things that are coming out of your mouth and out of your heart are not just accidents and blips on the radar, that there is a deeper spiritual root of shame and guilt inside of you, you think that by confessing to Jesus, you'll be, you'll be defaming and defiling the relationship at this holy, sacred altar. But Jesus is actually saying, my holiness overcomes your unholiness. In Isaiah, it says it this way, is that, behold, I'm a man of unclean lips, and, and God in that prophecy takes a coal so hot that it burns away the unholiness on Isaiah's lips. This is what the prophecy is saying in Jesus' time fully revealed, is that when you bring your unholiness before God, it doesn't defile God. It actually, His holiness overcomes your unholiness and makes you holy like Him. And so this is what the passage in the New Testament would, would, would show us, and I'll, I'll close uh, after this, but I think this is really the prescription that this passage could take us home with on, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. James chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says that the prayer that is offered in faith can make the sick person well. So you see the theme there, even in the New Testament or the Old Testament, is that sickness is connected to spirituality. That, that depression, that anxiety is statistically proven to be uphill of all types of sickness and disease. And so sickness is related to, to a sin, to a spiritual underpinning. And sin does produce sickness in the body. And so he says, don't go to the doctor, go to Jesus. I mean, go to the doctor as well, don't get me wrong, but, but go to Jesus with everything that you have. And he says, if you pray in faith, the sick person can be made well and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The connection between spiritual and physical, therefore confess your sins. This is what I think it would prescribe for us today, the scriptures, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. At the very end of the passage, Jesus uh, sends the leper to go and speak to the priest. We don't have time to get into it today, but we need to make mention that we don't have priests in today's society, that, that in our era, in our age, that the priest is Jesus, that Jesus is the high priest. And so in our context today, Jesus would not tell us to go visit the priest. Jesus would tell him, us to visit him. As we understand this passage in its full light, as, as Jesus has healed a physical ailment, but also healed our spiritual souls, he's telling us to go before Jesus to discover exactly what that man discovered before the priest, that we have been made clean in a way that can't be made unclean, that we are pure and righteous and spotless before him. Jesus' verdict of us in the examination under his blood is clean, pronounced clean, actually clean, made clean spiritually and brought before him clean. And Jesus' lips would pronounce over you today as you approached him with boldness and confidence, you are made clean by my touch. You are forgiven, is what James says. As you move towards him, you will be forgiven. Jesus, are you able to? Yes. Are you willing to? Yes. And you will be forgiven as you approach his throne with grace and mercy, as you go to him and speak to him today that you are clean and I've only seen you and I only treat you. 
the way that I treat my son, Jesus. That's the only way that I treat you spiritually. You are a person who has, who has never raised their voice to their children in Jesus. You are a person who has never been convicted of drunk driving because of Jesus. You are a person who has only known righteousness because of Jesus. When we present ourselves to the priest, to the high priest of Jesus, under his blood, we get a better word and a greater word that the clean has made the unclean clean to never be unclean again. You are righteous in his sight and in your confession to him and one another, you are finding that your sin is not enough to defile you, that his blood is greater than your sin and clean has made unclean clean once more. Let's stand and pray as we close. We've been closing. Um, actually, with, uh, let me put up this intentional question for our close um, this morning. You might take a picture of it on your phone, talk about it with your small group, or stay after service to talk to somebody, but consider this question. As a clean person that was once unclean, you know more, more than anybody what it looks like and feels like and smells like emotionally and spiritually to feel unclean. And so therefore, you have the best message, the only message to send to an unclean world, or at least one that feels unclean, both inside and outside the church. How do you speak and act to people who feel unclean before God? Do you give them the word of Moses, or do you give them the word of Jesus? Would you be someone, as they confessed, that would preach the word of defilement, or the word of cleansing? The word of not good enough, or the word of acquitted? The, the word of, of sinfulness or the word of atonement? Are, are you speaking before the cross or after the cross? How do you speak and act towards people who feel unclean before God? Let me pray and then we'll close the service. Jesus, I thank you for, um, man, your compassion that hits this room. You see the eyes. You look into the eyes and you see the marred skin of our souls and you see the decrepitness and you see the twisted hands and twisted bonded feet, God. And you, and you so loved the world, even in that, that you sent, that you sent your son. And so there is no defilement, there is no sin that can conquer or undermine the love that you had for your children. You came anyway. You came close, not further away. You moved towards us when we were running away. And so I just pray for each and every, every soul, every, every person in this building, including the children that are gathered and the volunteers down the hall, God, that we would have just an encounter, of an encounter of cleanliness in your presence, even now. A rearranging and understanding that our uncleanliness cannot make your cleanliness unclean. And so I thank you right now for restoring bodies, but also restoring minds, hearts, and souls in the deepest of places. We thank you for the altar of atonement, that as we stand before you today, you have only seen us and treated us like Jesus under his blood. And if that's your first time today and you've never considered what it would mean to have a, a, a sin, never, what it would mean to have a separation from God, that couldn't be healed by any other medical means or spiritual means. If that's something new to you today, I want to I share and tell you and bless you with at the end of this service that the touch of Jesus through faith, through prayer, 
and faith, the touch of Jesus offers the free gift of spiritual cleanliness completely. The absolving of sin and the perfect relationship and closeness with God your Father. That's you. I just, I just bless you to receive that through just a simple prayer. We thank you for this time and thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that's working in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We at City Lights are so grateful to have worshiped with you today. We are a church that exists to be followers of Jesus who are devoted to building family, blessing neighborhoods, and bringing good news to the nations. For more information on our church, visit our website at www.citylights.cc and give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you can join us again soon.